DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. Time now to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, a lot going on since we talked to you last. Dwayne Wade buying a piece of the team. Donovan Mitchell getting hurt. Uh, the team you grew up with, the Lakers, playing the Jazz here uh, a couple of times. And let's start. Uh, let's start off first with uh, with uh, the the sale and 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 Wade buying the team. Uh, he's got celebrity. He's got star power. He's got cachet. Uh, that's an area for all the Jazz success that they might have been a little shorthanded in. It's exciting. He's a minority owner. How much does this really change the course of things, you think? Well, I think, I think just the perception that uh, I, you, know, you all know a lot more about this, but I mean, just the things that I've read and heard that, uh, that Ryan Smith and he had a relationship and that he would, consider being part of this and want to be part of it for, and I don't know all of those reasons, but I think it's such a positive thing for the community. Um, You know, I I don't know how it's going to impact and what his role is going to be, but it sounds like he wants it to to be hands-on and wants to be a part. And and the fact that he was there the other night with, with Ryan uh, bodes well. I I just think that, you know, the, the, the elephant in the closet, obviously in, 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 Salt Lake, which is a very diverse city, but it's always going to be something that, you know, they've had white owners there, Ryan Smith, you know, for an African-American man, well-respected, Hall of Famer, great person. Uh, they, you know, it's about relationships, it's about connections, and obviously he and Ryan have a relationship that he'd want to be a part of that because of the things he sees and the people that are in that organization. I, I think it's a, a big win for the Utah Jazz and I don't know Dwayne Wade personally, obviously, like a lot of folks, you watch him from, from afar. But he seems to have great integrity. He, he's obviously got a, uh, a wealth of experience in this league and another voice and, a, and someone that Ryan can lean on. And, I'm, you know, they may have other minority investors I'm not aware of, but someone with that kind of uh, prestige and, uh, you know, really all of his experience in basketball, I can see nothing but good things coming from it. So you bring up about the relationships, and obviously those two, uh, Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade, did have a relationship, and so that helped uh, probably was the most significant thing in sealing the deal and getting Dwayne Wade on. And I look at the first thing we heard of, oh, man, the Jazz are going to get all these premier free agents now because of Dwayne Wade. You know, and it's probably a little overblown. But the relationship aspect of it is extremely critical and i look at recruiting whether it's a high school kid or junior college kid or a transfer portal kid to come to your school at the college level there's probably a lot of similarities there between that and recruiting free agency uh in in the nba is about relationships and and you went through this in a, in a difficult situation when you tried to recruit non-lds guys to byu what did you do in terms of that to make sure that the party, not just the player, but the party was comfortable in getting their kid, whoever it might be, to commit to come to BYU that you think might be applicable as the Jazz go out to try to recruit people? 
Well, I, I think you talked about it to start with. I mean, it's relationships and going into homes and meeting with parents and uh, coaches and, and the players themselves. Uh, they have to be comfortable with you, and you have to be comfortable in those settings where they, specifically at BYU, yes, where, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's a school that had restrictions and there were things that had honor code and things that you'd have to, you know, you'd have to talk about those things. But how does an African-American or Hispanic or a foreign player fit into Provo, Utah? Are they going to be respected and loved and taken in and embraced? Or is that going to be a situation? And so those are things, those relationships, those connections are really important. And uh, I know even in Fresno, when, when we had all the sanctions and things, you know, why would they come here? <clears throat> and, and, and you have to sell them on a lot of different things from playing time to the environment, to teammates, to coaches. And I, I think in a small way, when you can have someone come into your organization who has incredible credibility in the NBA, Ryan Smith has incredible credibility in the business world. And he, he's obviously an avid fan and has relationships with people, but him, him coming there and having those relationships, I mean, it just brings credibility to what's going on. It's not that there was anything wrong, but there didn't happen, but it just says to the world that hey, it's okay to come to Utah. Here, here is a superstar in the NBA who is not only joining the organization, but buying into it. And he speaks on behalf of Ryan Smith and that entire organization as well. And that, that's what you do in college. You know, you, you, you talk about the coaching staff, you talk about the goals and dreams of the program, you talk about facilities, opportunities to play. Those are all things that happen. And once you do that and you start moving forward, other recruits, and I, I promise you that it does nothing but make a positive step forward for the Jazz in maybe securing a player. It's, it's not a, <clears throat> a, a done deal, but it's certainly not going to help hurt and, and I think it's going to help a great deal that it's, it's okay to come to Utah that's a great city good people good teammates amazing coaching staff and just to hear it from another voice from someone that doesn't live in Utah that's lived in Miami and has been an NBA superstar I can't think of anything that does more for it and so you know we tried to sell those things and uh, but relationships and connections are really important and so is trust so is trust. And, you know, a lot of the NBA players aren't going to know who Ryan Smith is. Everybody knows Dwayne Wade. And when Dwayne Wade says, hey, this is a really good dude, he's honest, he's got great integrity, he loves the game, he's passionate, he wants to do special things here, that kind of endorsement, you know, Dwayne Wade all of a sudden becomes kind of a recruiter for the Jazz. And I don't know if he'll have any role in anything dealing with the team or the organization. I don't know what his role will be. But just being able to do that and speak publicly and social media and all the platforms about what a great place this is is going to do nothing but help the Jazz. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. Uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, went down, and it looked bad. He looked like he was in a lot of pain, had to be helped off the floor, was moving really slowly, not putting any weight on the leg. And 
Then afterwards, we hear, well, it's a sprained ankle. The x-rays and MRIs are pretty good, and he will be reevaluated in a week. And his teammates say that he was in a good mood right after the game. So should we put away what we saw with our own eyes during the, during the game, relax a little bit, and think he's probably back in 10 to 14 days? You've seen a lot of sprained ankles in your life, even though you haven't exa- examined this one, Dr. Cleveland. What do you think? <laughs> well, let me tell you this, too. First of all, here – a lot of guys haven't been hurt very often. I don't know what injuries that, that Donovan Mitchell's had, but sometimes when uh, your elite players haven't really experienced this, the first it, it's kind of shock and trauma. I mean, and it's like it goes down, oh, my gosh, you know, and it's like they maybe haven't. And, and nobody that's played this game certainly has, has had sprained ankles and knee issues. Most just that just happens. But here they are, you know, top of the NBA. He's having a terrific year. It goes down and, and immediately it becomes very emotional as well as physically. And, and so the despondency and you know, what's happening here. And, and then, you know, after 24 hours, things kind of settle down. They get ice on it. You know, it's going to be okay. It may be a week to 10 days. And then he can kind of smile again and go, okay, I'm going to be okay. But I think that at the moment it happens, there's a little bit of panic. And uh, knowing what's at stake and, you know, I, want, I can't miss games. I need to be out there. I mean, again, I haven't talked to Donovan Mitchell, but at the end of the day, I know when, at times when you all the injuries I had, the first thing that comes to your mind, oh, no, you know, how long am I going to be out? Is this how bad is this? And then once he sees the docs and they kind of give a prognosis of what's going to happen, you can smile again, you can breathe again and go, okay, we're going to be okay. I'm going to get this thing better. You know, because I'm sure Donovan's had sprained ankles before. But I think in that setting, uh, it's, it, it's, it can be a challenge for you. I mean, it's just you, you, all the things go through your mind that, oh, my goodness, am I going to play again? And what, what happened? How bad is it? But Palmer minds prevail, and, and uh, he's probably in a good mood right now and working on getting back as quick as he can. Yeah, especially as a 24-year-old, uh, do you have any concern about him being able to pick up where he left when he got injured? Yeah, I know. I, 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 I mean, I think he'll be fine. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I just heard what you heard, and it didn't sound like it was broke. And uh, though high ankle sprains, I didn't. I don't know if it was a high ankle sprain. Those take longer to heal from. Uh, I've had a number of players that had those, and those can be more painful. But uh, you know, right now they're in, in a good spot, and they've got some depth in this team, and certainly they want to get him back. They're, you know, he may miss six, seven, eight games. But I think if you look at their schedule, uh, a lot of those games they could win without Donovan. And that depth that they have helps and the system's in place. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it seems to me everything I'm reading and hearing that he'll probably be back in a couple of weeks, maybe sooner. And he's a competitive guy, and, and he's going to want to be on the floor as quick as possible. So it's not like he's going to miss the appointments with all of his physical therapy and everything that he's got to do. He's going to want to get back out there as soon as possible. So... Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to be a serious issue. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. So Saturday we turn on the Jazz and Lakers, ESPN. They schedule the second half of the season this year. Which, by the way, I'd be fine if that became a normal thing. I think there's a lot of benefits to doing that. Uh, and they try to set up this game, and sure enough, AD's hurt, LeBron is hurt, Donovan is hurt, Conley doesn't play back-to-backs, they rest Gobert, so five All-Stars, and they go 0 for 5. 
I got to admit, I got sucked into it. I thought it was a wildly entertaining game. And I have to admit, I probably had a pretty poor attitude uh, at some point in the first half. Like, oh, nobody's playing in this game. Uh. And then uh, it was thorough. I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, you're, you're a Laker lifer and have been breaking them down. What would you think of that game? And does it have any impact in the long run? Uh, I'll tell you the long run what it does is for both teams, you get to see guys play that haven't played a lot of minutes. And that does nothing but good. And for the Lakers, obviously, to win that game, uh, I watched that game as well, most of it. And I, and it, it was a game that I thought both teams, I mean, it was entertaining. They played well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Utah obviously had, at the end of the regulation, had a chance to win it. And, uh, you know, for, for, if you're looking at it from the Lakers perspective, they they probably needed that win way more than the Jazz just because they're trying to get on top of things. And there's been so much inconsistency with the Lakers. You know, I think they're 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games. But it was one of those nights where they shot the ball well, they played well, and uh, they've just been so up and down. Uh, so I think there's a great benefit for the Lakers to win that game. Uh, I, I don't think – the Jazz knew they had a chance and should have won. I mean, they went away from that game going, oh, my gosh, this is a game we, we had won. But this is a mature group, and I think the Jazz have a much more mature group than the Laker group that's out there right now. I mean, you put LeBron and AD back in there, and it's a little bit different story. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the Lakers still have a propensity to just go stretches where they don't score. And they're typically a pretty good defensive team as a whole. But uh, they just been really flaky. I mean, Kuzma one night goes for thirty and then doesn't score. He just Schroeder's been pretty solid and uh, has helped him. But even even he has kind of been up and down. And <clears throat> I seeing Caldwell, <clears throat> excuse me, seeing Caldwell pull play and make baskets. I, I I'll be honest with you, the guy Caruso for the Lakers, he needs to play. I mean, he's just so solid defensively, makes good decisions. And they need him. But that was big for the Lakers to win because they're reeling. I mean, you know, who knows where they're going to finish up. But uh, I, don't, I don't think Utah – I'm sure they were disappointed because the nice thing you, – you start thinking about this. you got Jordan Clarkson. You've got Ingles. You've got Bogdanovich. Uh, also, uh, I mean, you have four guys all the time that can shoot it. And, you know, we're going to be some defensive lapses and things. But I know it's not their best team. But they're still pretty good, <laughs> and they can score the basketball. And so I, I just thought that, uh, you know, missing those guys, missing Mitchell, missing Conley, missing Gobert, but those, those four, can, they can fill it up. And they kept them in the game, and they're relaxed. They're a veteran group. They weren't nervous. They had nothing to lose. They went in there and played awfully well and probably deserved the win. But for the Lakers, probably benefited more from the loss. I don't think the, the Jazz are hurt by that. I think they're going to get Gobert back for tonight, aren't they? It sounded like. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they get him back and Conley back, then uh, it, it should be a really good game and much more difficult for the for the Lakers. I don't know how much you've been following your former player, Paul George, but man, he has just been killing it. He's having an MVP like season. I, I mean, I, if I think if he comes close to what he's doing in the regular season, the postseason, watch out for the Clippers. Yeah, he has been playing well, and and, and I, you know, I, I try to stay in touch with him. And and there's some things you can talk about and things not, but he is playing really, really well. And and I think too for him, uh, he, he had some of those really good games with, without Kawhi, and I, I think it relaxed him. 
And and I think that he has to, they both, he and Kawhi, have to learn how to play together better and feed off each other. Kawhi did come back for the last game. But he has been playing well. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the only counsel I have for Paul is that he, he's such a good human being and he speaks from his heart. And I, and I think that sometimes at that level uh, where there's 50 cameras and microphones around you, that he can help himself just by being real simple with post. You know, he has he, shown everything. He's so transparent. And then it gets interpreted 20 ways, and the media you know, kind of gets all over him. But, but even the media can see that he's playing well. And uh, he just gives too much information in these press conferences. And, and that's just Paul. I mean, he's just he's an honest kid. He's a good person. And sometimes that gets him into a little bit of trouble. But I'm really happy because what he went through last summer and that team went through and Paul took a big hit last summer from media and social media and everybody. So for him to come back and play like this, I'm really proud of him. I know that's not an easy environment to be in. We forget they're still, you know, young people. And they have feelings, they have families, and sometimes Paul will – share things and be so transparent that he becomes really vulnerable and then he gets pounded on. And listen, we, we were lying to ourselves. We don't think these kids are on social media platforms and hearing things. And, uh, I mean, I used to, I tell new head coaches, you cannot be on social media. I mean, it's, it's a big part of it today, but you, you cannot get caught up in that because it can just destroy you as a person. And so I hope Paul can, deal with that and continue to play well because he, he is a great guy and he's a hard worker and his intentions are good and it's just fun to see him kind of rebound from a really tough summer that they came off. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time and uh, you know, I don't know that Paul's watching Fred Rogan's Sunday Night Show or uh, reading the LA Times. I think the social media is what's getting to these guys. Um, yeah. And, and maybe to some degree what they say to the media, then it gets translated to social media. So there's a little bit of that probably. The other thing I'd say to you, uh, you know, I, I really did hear a little bit of your Laker fandom there. You know, I, I know you think the Lakers are wildly inconsistent, but I think missing the two stars, 500 was the most they could hope for. They're pulling that off, and they're inconsistent because they don't have these elite players. And Portland and Dallas are letting them off the hook, losing three out of they four are. and losing five out of seven. You're going you're gonna to be the four or the five seed. I don't know if you're going to have home court in the first round, but I don't no. think the Clippers are going to let the Nuggets make a move, so it's going to be Nuggets-Lakers in the playoffs. I think LeBron yeah. already knows it. You should just sign off on it. You'd be a lot more, you'd be a lot <laughs> I more relaxed. Right. I think you're right. I, I mean, you know, I am a little more hypercritical of a team that I grew up loving and – but, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not saying this because I lived in Utah, or, but I I mean, in terms of an organization, I mean, I just, I love the Jazz. I love the players. But I love their organization, everything they're doing and what they're getting out. And uh, it, it would be a difficult deal. But, yeah, you know, when you've grown up since you're about four or five years old and following the Lakers and following the Dodgers, it's hard to get that out. I, I, <laughs> it's hard to be neutral. I'm more upset with the Lakers often that I am happy with them. But uh, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. If if they end up with the four or five spot through all this and those two guys come back healthy, uh, they'll make another run at it. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. 
Thanks. See you. Steve Bye-bye. Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us every week right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll get you up to date on everything you missed in this show. Dwayne Wade, the Jazz resting players, a sensational baseball series, and the health report for the Jazz for tonight's game. And we will get to that next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And JCW's is the perfect place. Stop at any of our five locations, including our brand new location in Harriman. JCW's, quality and a lot of it. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point belt. Belt, belt. Jazz and the Lakers play tonight in L.A. Their second meeting in three days. This one should look different. Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley are listed as probable for the game tonight. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is still out. Ilya Sova and Favors are listed as questionable. Game tips off at 8 o'clock on ESPN. The Zones coverage starts at 7 o'clock with the Jazz game night, the pregame show. For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up! But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, uh, what? this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up! With DJ and PK on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. culmination of spring ball a lot of guys making plays out there you know we may have had a, a injury or two i have to find out come tomorrow what where we stand with that but uh, otherwise it was a good spring overall got yeah, made a lot of progress got a lot of things sorted out still have some things to sort out uh, going forward and that's what fall camps for so i think we're in a good place right now and we'll uh we're gonna get ready for the summer conditioning which is the next phase which starts june one and that'll be a, a huge part of our success or lack thereof depending on how we handle that so that'll be important that we attack that summer conditioning program there's kyle Whittingham after the spring game the quarterback was 15 for 15 they got a 6-4 receiver making juggling catches in the back of the end zone <sighs> undefeated pk all is well i got a shot to uh win that first game <laughs> nice take them one at a time coach kinahan all we're focused on all right so you got any takeaways from that spring game or you just can't do it it's too vanilla they're not blitzing they can't hit the quarterback probably playing a bunch of man you're playing a bunch of second and third stringers uh it's a dog and pony show for the pac-12 network well i never have any significant judgments based on a practice a single practice it's not what it's about a single practice not what it's about I think the great news, as I spoke with Chris Camerani of The Athletic earlier about an hour and a half ago, was that they got all 15 in 
because some got none, some got two or three, whatever it was last year. <clears throat> this ball club got in all 15, and they're progressing, and they're on track. Those, those are the important things. And they'll have another three weeks of uh, training camp in August as they get ready for the season opener and go into game prep. And so continue to make improvements. And I think that the big thing that we've seen <clears throat> with the Kyle Whittingham team is that the talent usually is there, right? They haven't lacked talent, I don't believe, maybe in certain positions, but speaking generally about the entire team. And what we've seen from younger guys, less experienced guys, is that they know how to coach them to get better. And this is what the process was of 15 spring ball practices, was coaching them to get better. See what I'm saying? And then they get into the fall camp and they coach them to get better. And that's the positive sign because when you look at the defense and the three levels of the defense, there's talent there. And this staff has the ability to, I believe, maximize talent because they're not rolling in with a bunch of four- and five-star guys. And I said earlier last week when it was raining last, and there was nothing to do but stay inside, I started doing some intense Pac-12 research. And just in the last recruiting class, this most recent recruiting class for SC, they had 15 guys who are either four- or five-star recruits, right? And not all of them are going to pan out to that level for sure, but you know, you're playing the odds, and the more you have, the better chance you have of more succeeding. Well, Utah doesn't normally get that, but what they do is they progress the guys and move them along and get better, and that's what I took from the spring ball rather than an individual practice. And Charlie Brewer, man, I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I'm mystified what's going to happen. You know, it, it, it's really uh, – it, it, it's like uh, what – What's going to be behind this door? I know there's going to be something. Is it going to be great? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be disappointing? But there's something behind that door. And I'm excited to open the door when the time comes in several months. Because the pedigree that he showed is unlike anything that they've had. Because all the transfers they've been getting at quarterback, there was usually something wrong there. You know what I mean? Something didn't work out at the prior place. Doesn't mean it can't work out here, but it didn't work out at the first stop. So I don't know. This thing, it did work out at the first stop. And now what it's going to do here at this stop. Excited to see what happens when that curtain goes up and we see. You know, whenever you throw something out and I I waited then, then I'm going to analyze it, put my spin on it, give my take or whatever, and I say two things. It always cracks you up. You always make a deal out of it. And the number two, with Kyle Woodingham, it's always two words. Yach's got the legendary drop. Two words. Two words. Bowl eligible. After the two five and seven seasons, that's in the locker room. They beat USC to go to six and one and be bowl eligible. But if I had to update that with two more words, take everything that we saw and heard from Look Spout. Out. No. <laughs> two words. Two words. Bowl eligible. Yeah! That is priceless. I love that we have that. Rose Bowl? <laughs> Rose Bowl! Those are your two words! No. Yes! Nope. Oh, Maybe man. these two could eventually lead Maybe. National Championship. Oh. Kyle said <laughs> in response to a question after the spring game, he used the phrase complete team. Now, we all know what that's code for. 
And if you just transferred in from Baylor, maybe you don't know. But it's like, hey, I think the throw game's on par with everything else we do. And they run the ball at a high level. They play defense at a high level. Their special teams has literally been the best in the country. Punting, place kicking, they've sent guys to the NFL. It's the throw game. It's the missing piece of the puzzle. When Kyle said complete team, my ears totally perked up. He said it very matter-of-factly. He knew what he was saying. He wasn't messing around. He didn't throw it out there lightly. There are some guys who've been in this market a long time, and when they say stuff in a certain way, they've got credibility, PK. And, you know, we're around some of these coaches a lot. We're getting to that point with Quinn Snyder now. You know, he's, he's been here a while now. This is, what, going to be five straight playoffs for them, his seventh year? So, you know, he's getting up there. But Kyle Bronco was here a long time. Jerry Sloan was here a long time. Lavelle Edwards was here a long time. Sometimes these guys say something, you're like, oh, I think that meant something. And when he said complete team, I thought it meant something. Well, I think that uh, the most important thing is this is going to be a miserable college football playoff for Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> a lot of you fans can sign off on that. Some of them already have. The rest are trying to figure that out. But when they do, they'll sign off on it. <laughs> All right, we talked a little uh, college football with, Steve, with Chris Cameron. We talked a lot of basketball. The Jazz resting guys Saturday. I do think a lot of it came down to injury. I think Gobert came down to rest. I can't prove any of this. This is just my gut instinct on how they've handled players in the past and what I've seen during games. Mitchell was obviously out. Conley has a history of not playing to back-to-backs. I realize there was one exception post-All-Star break, but he has a history of not playing back-to-backs. Favors is now missing his third game in a row, and there are times this year where he's looked pretty good, but there have also been times where I thought he's played below the rim and moved, played behind the rim. It's hockey. You can take the puck behind the net. Um, and he hasn't moved that well, and whether that's knee, back, combination of the two, uh, I thought they rested Gobert. I thought that really did come down to rest. Quinn did allude to some, some nagging injuries, some things he's been able to play through. Uh, but Gobert is supposed to be back tonight. I don't think we're going to see a lot of resting down the stretch because they're going to have, if not a full week, close to a full week off between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. They do have two back-to-backs left, so we may see some resting, but I don't think we're going to see a lot. Quinn said he values that these guys, the guys be on the court together, continue to play together, and continue to get better, and you can't do that if you're constantly missing one guy and then another and one guy and then another. So I think Quinn would prefer, health permitting, to play these guys down the stretch. Yeah, haven't they played enough together, though? Is that it? We're no. still in the developing phase here? Yes. Yeah, I think Quinn thinks you can always get better. You're of not, course you can always get better. That so wasn't then you the better, question. You better get better because cause he won't say, well, that that's a good point. You can get better, but will you? Really? Is that really going to happen? Um, you know, is he? Uh, what was that blind Bronco gave you about chasing ghosts with a game day walk around, walkthroughs in a parking lot or the hotel ballroom? You're chasing ghosts? And maybe yeah. they're at the point in the season where you're chasing ghosts. You're not really going to get better? They, they need to play to their capability. They're already better. <laughs> I mean, everybody can get better. I mean, unless you're Jesus, I guess. That's it. Uh, you're already perfect. But the rest of us, we're all a work in progress to that degree. Uh, but I think that when they get to the postseason, you know, what is the team going to do 
facing adjustments that the other teams do because they really hone in on the scouting. And the classic example that everybody remembers is the way they decided to guard Harden when the playoff came. You know, they never did that in the regular season, probably wouldn't do that, but they unveiled that in the postseason. And so I don't know who they're going to play, but whoever that is have to start, you know, what type of defensive assignments that are they going to see and what type of defensive assignments do they employ depending on whoever the opponent is and those are things that will come about when we get there but I don't know that they need to play together more to get more comfortable with each other I think they've already reached that level but I'm by far a basketball genius I'm not even close so what do I know I think it's about them playing to the level of the ability that they have and if they have that close to it or as close as they can get, they're going to win. I'm speaking of the first round anyway, and then we'll see about the second and third and if, if we even get that far and all that stuff. That's what I'm more concerned about. And if they want to rest, guys, what are the, how many games they got? 15, 16 15. games? It's 15. So yeah. they, they, I don't really care. It, it doesn't matter to me because it's all about what they do in the postseason. And if they get the first seed, second seed, third seed, some people are stressed. You read somebody on Facebook. Yep. He's yep. basically stressed about not getting that number one seed. Okay, if that's your thing, I'm not stressed by it. Now, at the same time, uh, Scotty and Hans play that uh, promo where they talk about Matt Harpering saying, well, it's there. You might as well go get it. Sure, I agree with that, too. Absolutely. Might as well go get it. You're this close. Finish the deal and get it. Great. But if they don't get it, and it was because of they rested a player here or there, I'm I'm okay with it. Now, if they play crappy and, lose, and they got all their guys and lose a bunch of games, that's another story. But I don't anticipate that happening because that hasn't happened yet. Why would it happen now? Hasn't happened. We've gone through... Uh, what's 72 minus 15? We've gone through that many games. 57, so, PK. All right, 57. 57, right. So it hasn't, and they've had a stretch or two where they haven't been awesome, but that's the course in the ups and downs and the give and takes of a season. But the truth is they've played pretty consistently for a good long stretch. So if they have their guys, they're going to play well, and they're going to have a time or two, things don't go well. And, and look at the game uh, on Friday against the Pacers. And they didn't look good for large stretches of that ball game, but yet they won going away. That's who really this team is, man. When they turn it on, they're pretty good. And that may be what Quinn means when he talks about improving is it's not the new stuff they're going to add. It's the consistency of the things that they can do at a high level. You know, there are times in games that they just don't run. And yet... When they run and throw the ball ahead and get Joe Ingles or Bojan an open three, yeah, yeah. good things happen. And man. that's a development. That, that, can, that continues to progress with what you were talking about. All right, DJ and PK at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yak interrupted me to tell me there was breaking news. Earlier this morning I complained about all the news that breaks at 10.08. What do you got, Yak, uh, at 9.43? Not all that surprising, but Alex Smith, former number one overall pick out of the University of Utah, has announced this morning he's retiring from football. And there it is. Smart decision. He went out with some wins, and he got Washington to the playoffs. He didn't get to play in the playoff well, game, but he got that. Player of the year, the man. comeback player of the year should be That's named nice. for him now. Just I think, to be able forward. to get out on that field after that excruciating injury was devastating. You know, Joe Theismann didn't get back, right? He, he didn't. That was the end, right? That was and it. Alex managed to get himself back out on the field. And just that's a triumph. And played fairly well. He's never a great quarterback, but you know he was good. 
and he had a long, long career. So you, you, you got to admire. It's like what you said about the NBA player. If he lasts 10 years in the league, even if he's a bench player, that's an accomplishment. Well, how long did Alex last in the league? And he wasn't a bench player. No. He wasn't an all-pro Dan Marino or whomever, but he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, out of the league. He, sta- he was in that league, started for three teams. That's pretty good. And he got three teams to the playoffs. I think despite the rough start and certainly the first five years, uh, you know, going through all those coordinators in San Francisco, it wasn't good. But they finally got it right in San Francisco. And, you know, he won a playoff game out there. And so I think he became a playoff quarterback. I think sure. you can say that. I think there were – I'd have to look it up, but I think there were five playoff trips in Kansas City. A poor man's Phillip Rivers. Uh, a lot of – a lot of comparisons there. Philip was better early and wasn't as consistent later, but I think in the end, uh, you know, about the same number of years, roughly the same number of playoff games. There were some, yeah, there were some good comparisons there. Neither one getting to the Super Bowl level. Uh, another guy got there, so. I would put Philip Rivers a notch above Alex Smith, okay. which is in a, not a knock on Alex, and I know people want to get excited because he's a hometown player yeah. and you got to be a cheerleader here, but that's how I see it. DJ and PK, there you go. That's a lot of what we've been talking about. Uh, Dodgers and Padres, three entertaining regular season games. you got 30 teams playing 162 games. There's a lot of baseball out there. But those three games were competitive, uh, weird, dramatic, uh, clutch, Mookie Betts, diving catch, and, man, HDTV. I mean, the camera gets right in there, and you can see the ball on the heel of his glove about to pop out on the grass, and he puts his puts his right hand on top of the glove to secure the catch and end the game. And it would have been tied with a winning run in scoring position if that ball hits the grass. What a great play, yeah. That was a, a great play. Well, depending on – it might have actually been inside the parker, depending on how far it got away from him. Exactly. You don't know how that would have played out. But yeah. certainly the runner would have been at least second. And, again, maybe third, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe scores. You know, you don't know what kind of throw would play, have come. The Dodger bullpen is its, its vulnerable area, and if that ball's not caught – uh, even if the the runner does not score, they, they tie the ball game. But who's to say the next guy doesn't come up and jack one? I mean, yeah. any number of things happen. It's just a great, great play. It's why we tune into sports really to see great plays. This is why, why I do yeah. see a player lay out, give me all he's got, and make a great play. Twelve innings on Friday night. Saturday ends with a diving catch, and Sunday the Dodger bullpen seventh and eighth inning. Uh, gives up three runs and gets beat 5-2. So the Dodgers' eight-game win streak is over, but they're still on pace to win a gazillion games. And they come out of the series three and a half and then, games. And plus they had a little uh, little conflict, you know, a little mm-hmm. two, benches Two empty. little conflicts. And then the next night, Kershaw, who was the player? Say he, was, he swung, tried to swing and hit yeah, the catcher's Yeah, it was catcher's mid. interference, and I'm blanking on who it was. Um, and, and he says that, and you can read him, that was a BS <laughs> swing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did he try to hit the catcher's well, glove on Well, that's what Kershaw purpose? was insinuating. That's what he was saying. That's, oh, absolutely. That he clearly did. Yeah. And then and the Kershaw mincing no words there. <laughs> it was jerks and Profar. That's who it was. It was I profar. thought it was Profar. Yeah. And his, his BS, only he said the... He said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, was, and so then there was on Friday, and it was on the air Friday, so I missed this. So everybody's running from the bullpen to be supportive in the fight that didn't happen. Like you said, it had everything except the guy actually triggering. It didn't have the the two guys at the at the core of it. You know, charge the mound, throw the punches, wrestle the guy to the ground, and then everybody else runs out there. But yeah. apparently, a fan ran yeah, in a with fan the bullpen. Correct, yeah. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Get off the field. You don't. F- 
Players stay out of the stands. Fans stay off the field. It seems like two obvious rules, but a lot of people seem to have problems with it. Uh, well, that's probably because there was some alcohol involved. I mean, you don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> Possibility. They want to spend that. They want you to make that money off the booze, and they're willing to take whatever uh, goes with it. Uh, yeah, a fan did run out on the field and all that stuff. That game had all sorts of stuff going on. That was fantastic. That was just a great position game. players pitching by the time it was over. Mookie, <laughs> Mookie Betts, best player in baseball, gets struck out by a utility player. Well, he's not the best player in baseball, but uh, we'll give you one of the better ones. I'm still going to go with my man, Mike Trout. But, uh, yeah, and they, they were saving him. I guess they would have brought in uh, Musgrove later if they needed, if they went on to another inning and all. But, yeah, fun, fun stuff in April. What it means is another thing here. October seems like it's about five years away right now, but uh, I'm not sure what it means in October, but it's fun stuff for now. I was left with the impression that nobody's beaten the Dodgers over 162 games. The best you can hope for is to be really good and be able to get them in seven games, which will be difficult, but possibly doable. Like you said, that's a long way away. Yeah. We'll be in the middle of the NFL season, the college football season when we get to that. So that's a long way away. All right. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. PK, again, you are so right because you're so awesome. Zelmo Beatty, Willie Wise from the ABA championship team. Loved it here. Come on now. That was in 71. Yeah, baby. Dwayne Wade has a lifetime agreement with Kneeling Apparel of China, a company that uses slave labor in the production of its products. Given his stand on social justice, how does Ryan Smith accept investment dollars made in part with slave labor? PK, shut up. Probably the same way everyone else accepts money from China. They count it and they put it in their bank account. That'd be the short answer. If he does a local media availability, maybe somebody can ask him. But it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime soon. Got anything to add to that, PK? No, I was told to shut up. <laughs> not for the first time, not for the last time. <laughs> that would be held on to as a drop. You can't even find all the drops you've got now, Yach. You're going to have to spend oh, time getting them organized. Did the new yeah. computer threw you off your game. Well, we're getting them built back up here pretty quickly, though. All right, uh, your feedback, stuff you've had to say about uh, what we're talking about. Um, Blake, on the question of are you good with Jazz resting players down the stretch, 100%. Any matchup in the West will be tough. Having home court advantage is going to be more important than having the number one seed. Well, what? you get more home court advantage if you have the number one seed, though, Blake. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have it in the first round. They're not falling to fifth. I don't even think the math works on that anymore. So, could they fall to third? I guess so. It's three games to the Clippers. But, man, there's a, have you, there's a pretty soft week coming up here. I mean, the Laker game tonight, and we'll see how that goes. But Houston, oh. Minnesota, Minnesota? Yikes. I thought you were talking about your personal life. hey <laughs> Saw the doc on TV last night. It's looking good. The doc? What are you talking about? Oh, I thought that's what you were talking about. I thought you were making some. Never mind. Move along. <laughs> Yuck just got it. <laughs> Please continue. Yeah. What the uh, doc? Oh, here's uh, we just got this in from a Ute fan who says uh, the breaking news, the comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, retiring. They need to rename the award after him in every sport. Oh, brother. Well, maybe in football, <laughs> that big guy. 
He must be a Ute fan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's got Ute gear. He's got Swoop with a helmet on. I mean, yeah, he's all in. Uh, it'd be, I'd be okay if they named the uh, the NFL award after him. It was a pretty sensational story. I don't think they're naming the MLB and NBA awards after him. They'll, they'll find their own comeback stars in their own sports. Uh, Steve is okay with the rest if the rest is more staggered. Don't rest four of your key players on the same night. That number one seed is crucial. Yeah, but that was an unusual circumstance there with the back-to-back like that. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, I don't think we're going to have that. And we got two more to go uh, in that way. So, um, and yet, but yet they were right there to win the game, too. So why not against uh, that team? Because that team is a watered-down version of itself when you think about it that way. I wish we could get the truth serum out of Quinn. He will never call out an individual player on one singular play. And I know there's a whole game worth of plays, and every basket counts two or three points. But, PK, with eight seconds left, it was two guys who play a lot of minutes squared up. And Schroeder, and I get if Gobert had been in there, Schroeder probably wouldn't have tried to go around uh, Royce O'Neal, but he went right around him to get the layup. And I know Royce was worried about him jumping into him and getting to the free throw line. And so yeah. that was part of what was going on there. But still, eight seconds left, and they got to the rim and got a layup to tie it. Ah! Pretty easy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you good with resting Jazz players down the stretch? Um, we got uh, Tony Jazz saying 100%. Last year showed us trying to play the matchup game doesn't always work. We tanked to face Denver instead of Houston, and that turned out great. Health is the number one priority. We're likely to hold on to the top spot in the West, even if we're resting one or two key players every night. Josh says... Likely hold the top spot. We've been bleeding games for two weeks now. Jazz are 6-4 and four in the last 10. And another uh, fan hopped in with, the Suns have a much tougher schedule coming up. The yep. Clippers, are li- Clippers are likely to rest their stars down the stretch, too. So it may not take uh, eight, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. We've got 15 games left. I'm not sure I can do the math on the radio. I think the, clap, the Clippers like where they're at right now. They're three. They don't. They avoid the Lakers. They're on the other side of the bracket, and they don't have home court against the Suns. But they don't really care. And as a three, they get Portland at six, and they think they can handle Portland. Yeah, and they're they're playing. I can well. see why they're thinking all of that. Yeah, and I think there's some playoff history with the Clippers in Portland, but it's not these Clippers. So I don't think they care. No, the the other stuff was you know that was Doc Rivers and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and so what. Long gone. Long gone. Long gone. The fans carry the PTSD, but it doesn't matter. Billy Crystal doesn't care. <laughs> Their fan. <laughs> After all these years. And Clipper Bob, or what's that Clipper guys? What's his name? Clipper Daryl. Clipper Daryl. I knew it wasn't Bob. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they care. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. We will talk to you tomorrow morning. Hans and Scotty are coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network.